Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello everyone, I'm Chris Wynn. Welcome to the Rocker Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. We're following our 1-0 victory at the Stadium Light against Portsmouth last weekend. We now look ahead to Sunderland's next fixture in League One, which takes us on the road to the northwest for a trip to Bolton Wanderers. And to help us bring us up to speed with all the latest at the University of Bolton Stadium. And you can probably tell it took all my concentration not to say Reebok uh, there, because I, re- I was desperate to say it, but uh, we're very pleased to have the company of not only the chief football writer for the Bolton News, but also presenter of the excellent Bolton Wanderers podcast, The Buff, which is, of course, Mark Isles. Hello, Mark. Hello. Oh, that's a wonderful intro. I'm, uh, I'm more than happy with that. I might just take a little audio clip <laughs> so I can replay that one too, uh, to my audience. <laughs> yeah, welcome uh, once again to the Roger Report podcast. How are you keeping it? Yeah, not bad. Aside from the fact I've chosen the busiest office in the world to uh, to record this from, we've got a full newsroom of people that will be talking and a pneumatic drill going on outside. So, barring a, pl- a police raid or something, I don't think much 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 else could happen. So, if if everyone listens carefully, will they be able to hear the the latest breaking news in Bolton uh, on this day? If they absolutely, say, it's a hive of activity. This uh, this news desk, I'm, it's not at all like the Marie Celeste. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I'm, I was going to say, I mentioned the buff in the intro of the podcast uh, that you do, and I had, I had a listen to that the other day. Um, absolutely brilliant podcast. Really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I have to say, I absolutely love the intro song that you've got for, for that podcast. Um, did, yeah. did you and the others do it, or did you get someone else to, to do that? To be fair, we, we used to have a, a, a version of that, uh, that music that we did. At, well, I did myself. Um, but then a, a professional uh, musician with uh, access to a lot better equipment came along. His name uh, Simon Woods. Um, I'll give him a shout out because he's uh, he's excellent. Um, and he ended up doing most of the jingles for us. And he's he's been fantastic, a Bolton fan. So uh, it gives uh, it gives a, an air of professionality to the podcast, which is sadly lacking with the presenters. So uh, yeah, at least we get that right. Well, it got me it got me laughing before it even started, and uh, I'm maybe going to make the suggestion to the to the echelons of uh, report that uh, we might need a jingle for for our uh, podcast, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Sure, I'm sure there are fans out there that would love to write that one. It's uh, I, it, I don't know why it. clubs don't do it more often. They, they have that horrible music that they use with these clip shows and that. Like, why yeah. don't they just ask the fans? These musicians out there would <laughs> love to get their stuff out there. 
Yeah, it's that stock stuff on file. I was going to say as well that um, I particularly like the name game. I started playing along with that. The only one I think I beat you on, or got quicker, was uh, Own Coil. Ah. Um, I think that was the only one I jumped in on before before you lads, mainly because that's kind of my era with uh, kind of Bolton thinking back. I go yeah. straight back to the McGinley, Pataline and Own Coil days. Well, the game's called Danny Shitu. Uh, the reason being is that if you actually <laughs> put Danny Shitu in, it's a game stopper because on the alphabet game, no no player begins with you, you see. So that, that's why we call it Danny Shitu. Um, but yeah, they play it on the coaches going to away games and all sorts. So it has it has caught on. Um, we are pushing for it to become an Olympic sport as well. So you you may you may see me in a GB vest uh, at an Olympics in uh, in time to come because uh, I'm not I'm not bad. I'm, I've I've only been beaten a couple of times. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that one. I found myself joining in, but uh, struggled with uh, some of the older Bolton <laughs> players. But uh, but we spoke to you last um, ahead of the reverse fixture up in the northeast. Um, I listened back to you speaking back with uh, with Rich back in September. Firstly, I've decided we won't mention Phil Parkinson as much. Um, <laughs> but but secondly, um, and we'll talk about the game itself in a bit. But I, I assume you you made the trip up, and uh, did you get out and about and enjoy your trip up to Sunderland? You know, I didn't. I enjoyed it. I, I made the trip up there with an ex-Bolton player, um, somebody mm. who probably isn't held in as high regard up up in your neck of the woods as he is down in the northwest. And that's David Weeter, the, the former Middlesbrough uh, centre back. Um, so we ended up, and, and we always seek out some somewhere to eat before the game, um, and we decided to go into the fans' cafe up there. And we sat down and there's nobody in there. And I thought, well, we're quite safe here. But steadily, as soon as we'd sat down, people started coming in. And you could see these Sunderland fans walking in. It's like, seriously, is that David Weiter? Is Seriously. And there's people pointing. I'm thinking, we are never going to make our way through these bacon butties. No chance are we going to be able to get out of here alive. But everybody was fantastic. You know, what they did to the sandwiches or to the to the brews, I don't mind. I don't even want to think about what the kitchen may have done to, to his, but uh, I certainly enjoyed mine. And best of all, weeks paid for it as well. So uh, jobs are good. <laughs> good stuff. Well, as I said, um, we'll come back to the match itself back from, from September in a bit. But I, I just wanted to start with how things are in general now at Bolton, because I was looking back to that time in September um, apart from kind of playing us, of course, uh, the other big story at that time, um, I actually I think it was the week you played us, actually, was um, that the new owners, Football Ventures, that agreed settlements with unsecured creditors that they inherited from 2019. So I was reading by doing that, it meant the, the threat of the 15 point deduction that hung over the club was removed. Was was that a bit of a watershed moment for the club that meant kind of the, the, the major financial problems were in the past and the club could begin to move forward? I don't think it was un- unexpected at the time. In fairness, I think the, the way they've operated since they've uh, they've taken on the club has been has been pretty standard, pretty professional, or well, very professional. Um, you know, they've they're not spending millions and millions of pounds. They're not splashing money around. No, they never promised to do that either. But they have said they will pay the debts they need to pay in order to take over a football club. And part of that is, of course, su- substantiating those unsecured creditors, of, of which there were many, many. I mean, there was a, a list a mile long. The number of local companies in Bolton that have lost out, as well as you know your taxmans, your you know all the all the other all the other stuff that uh, that St John's Ambulance Police Force, all that kind of thing. Everybody lost out. 
out because of the actions of the former Bolton owner. And, um, you know, the way that football clubs work, you've got to pay a certain number of pence and a pound uh, eventually to substantiate the EFL rules or else otherwise you get penalised a second time. Um, and so thankfully, yes, everything worked out quite well on that front. Um, and hopefully now uh, Bolton can start being built in a, in a more sustainable, professional way than, than it had been in the past. Um, although I will say... I will say that that Bolton's problems did not come as a direct consequence of overspending. They weren't spending millions of pounds under the previous owner at all, by the way. Um, It was a result of him not paying the bills. That that was it. He literally said at one stage, that's it, I'm not paying any more bills. They, They were expensive bills. They racked up very quickly and all these unsecured creditors and secured creditors built up. That's what the mess Bolton were in. Um, yes, of course, historically in the Premier League days, Bolton probably did spend beyond their means, and and you know that's how historical debts uh, stacked up. That owner Eddie Davis, who was a Bolton fan, wiped off a lot of those debts. Um, so it's it's not it's not A plus B equals C. Um, it wasn't the kind of Premier League luxuries that that maybe you know you look at the way Sunderland operated in the Premier League, and if they had financial problems down the road, that's possibly the same same sort of course but uh yeah. no it's, it's it's a complicated one i could write books on it <laughs> i will maybe one maybe one day i'll look forward to that <laughs> but um but yeah actually you mentioned the, the the premier league days there and actually just just quickly i mean going back a bit further because i went down my usual rabbit holes that i usually do when i do some kind of reading about the opposition but uh, i couldn't help but get all nostalgic looking back at lists of seasons for, for <laughs> bolton wanderers and uh seeing 10, 15 years ago, likes of Nicholas Anelka being the club's top scorer two seasons in a row, finishing top eight in the Premier League four seasons in a row, getting to the last 16 of the UEFA Cup. Um, well, th- those were in the days that that competition was was completely ruined. Um, but but that wasn't that long ago. And, and it's funny because I know Rich was talking to you last time about parallels over recent years between the two clubs. But actually going back to that era... I know, you know, Sunderland had a period under Peter Reid where we finished seventh twice in a row, you know, 20 odd years ago. And it's still a thorn for those fans who lived through that and saw that, that we didn't, you know, establish ourselves and, and kind of kick on and become a Premier League side almost permanently, you know, with the Everton's and the Spurs and the, you know, and the, those sort of clubs. I mean, do a lot of Bolton fans talk about that period in terms of missing a chance to establish itself as a club in the Premier League? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's fresh enough in the memory for a generation of Bolton fans to to yearn for the Yuri Jokovs and the JJ Kotchers and the Kevin Davis and Yossi Eskaline and people like that. And, and obviously it's very fresh in the memory for uh, for journalists like me who, who managed to uh, to dine at the nice press boxes. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's we've done we've done League Two. Now we're on the way back up uh, with the the the, uh, the ascent has started. Um but that said, I, th- I think there's an argument to say that, that Bolton were punched above their weight as a top eight club in the Premier League. A lot of people will say, well, you know, had money been made available for Sam Allardyce at the time he was really knocking on that door, could Bolton have established themselves as that uh, top six regular club? I have my doubts because historically Bolton have been a team that has moved between the top two divisions. They've spent a long time, in fact, they've actually spent more time in the top division without winning it than any other club. But in recent times, certainly the last four or five decades, they have flitted between the top two divisions um, and very occasionally below that as they find themselves now. But um, yeah, I, I think I think it would be, it'd be stretching it to say that they could have 
being a top six regular club, but that doesn't stop you yearning for seeing the Premier League and, and everything it had to offer and dining at that top table because it was great. And, and you know, I do, I do miss the times where, you know, Bolton would go to Sunderland and, and get Roy Key in the sack. I mean, that's, uh, that's w- w- one of the, one of my favourite memories going and beating Sunderland. I think it was 4-0 on the day and as bad as I've seen a Sunderland team play ever since. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I just thought I'd throw that little grenade in there. Yeah, well, I'm sure Roy Keane would uh, argue against that he got the sack and he walked um, non non his character. But uh, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, to, there's something all well and good about the the top, uh, you know, press boxes and whining and dining there. But something beautiful about uh, pie and peas at, at Akron Stanley, surely as well. Oh, you don't get anything at Akron Stanley <laughs> other than dripped on. <laughs> really, that's all, that's all you get at Akron Stanley. <laughs> Um, there are some there are some lovely people down in in their leagues one and two, but uh, no, the standard of the press food really has. I mean, I'm wasting away as you can tell. <laughs> well, I mean, you was you were talking about it being fresh in the mind that that period, and I was looking actually last couple of home games, seen attendances of around kind of twelve, fourteen thousand, depending on mm-hmm. you know midweek who's the opposition, all that sort of stuff. But have, have the kind of the the events of the recent years meant that it's taken some persuading for for some to come back week after week, or do you think that's kind of this is Bolton's kind of core support until you you start moving back up the league? Yeah, I think historically, actually, the the, the average attendances at the moment are actually quite decent um, for this level of football. If you look back to the Burnham Park days, which is where Bolton played before they moved to the Reebok in '97, uh, when they played at this level of football quite briefly and. Uh, one season in Division Four, they they uh, they were the crowds were much lower, so actually they're doing quite well um, for for what they're doing at the moment. Um, but it's fair to say under the previous ownership, you know, it's well documented the crowd, you know, the crowds dipped. People didn't want anything to do with them. There were protests outside. Um, they, it was it was a right mess. Um, so yes, I think this new ownership and and all that's gone with it um, has, has kind of built people's trust up a little bit more. And and also you can tell and you know yourselves. You look around the sponsorship boards and and you look at the hospitalities and the, you know all the all the stuff that helped pay the bills. It's not there when things are going bad. It's just not there. But that's starting to fill up again now, and it's starting to look more like a football club. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, back on the pitch. I mean, going back to the game between the two sides back uh, in September, obviously. You know, there was still um, a good feeling around Bolton after getting promoted last season from, from League Two. And uh, you'd got off to a good start this season. And, and at the time of the game, you were eighth in the table. Um, but it, it was kind of towards the end of September. But, uh, the, you know, that was a close game. And we nicked it with the only goal of the game through Carl Winchester. Uh, but Bolton had more possession, more shots on goal. So, so what were your memories of the actual game in the reverse fixture? I thought Bolton played well. I really did. We came away from that one feeling a little bit. Uh, and it was a similar story to a few games around that time. Bolton played, you know, Sheffield Wednesdays, people like that, that they'd done enough to get something from a game. They created chances, didn't take them. And ultimately that's what led to them starting slipping down the division because ultimately the, the confidence started to get affected. Then they were making chances and missing them. And as soon as they missed a chance, it was, you know, first goal wins, basically. So um, at that point in time, you're right, Bolton were flying high. They were playing really good stuff. Um, I think they continued to play really good stuff for about a month. And then it started to really slow down for them. And uh, it's it's only very recently started to change for the better, really. There were a few people maybe looking over their shoulders and hoping they didn't slip too far back. Yeah, I was I was going to say about that run, because, um, you know, after after... That defeat the stadium alight. Uh, Bolton won 
won the next two actually after that, but then went on a run of winning just two of the next 13 after that. Yeah. I mean, you've just said it was kind of missing their chances. I mean, was it was it just as simple as that? I mean, I don't know if there was implications with maybe COVID or injuries or anything like that, or yeah. was it just purely one of those, you get stuck in a rut? Yeah, I think for the first sequence of, uh, of defeats up to um, about November time, it was very, if you looked at the stats, the certain stats, you know, the, the XGs and the, the, you know, final third entries, if you subscribe to them and you looked at Bolton and looked at their raw statistics for the way they attacked, you would think they were top of the table. And I think Ian Everett famously said after the Sheffield Wednesday game, I think we're the best team in the league. Now, he was he was saying that for various reasons. I think he's been misquoted mainly by people down the road in Lancashire. Um, but... The, the, the bottom line was, yes, they were at that point in time, one of the most effective teams going forward. And they created a lot of chance that day at Stadium Light as well. You know, they they could easily have got something from the game had they been a bit more clinical in front of the goal, but should have, would have, could have. You know, that's 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 all totally accepted up this way. Um, they started they started losing games. And then towards Christmas, they did get big injuries uh, to key players. They lost a few. And then they had to cancel three games through covid so it's a snowball. There's all sorts of reasons for it. Ultimately, they started losing confidence and losing games, and you, you can't get away from that. They uh, uh, sort of October time, he never turned around and said, listen, it's going to be a rough ride now between now and Christmas, but I think we can fix it in January by bringing players in. He's now had that opportunity and things have started to improve. So, um, you know, if it improves to the degree last, I mean, this time last year, Bolton were 20th in League Two. Uh, they got promoted. <laughs> so who knows? Well, actually, you mentioned that that kind of enforced break that they had um, because Bolton only managed one game between the 11th of December and 11th of January. Um, and considering that run they were on, did that give an opportunity for Ian Everett to kind of take stock and get the get the team on the training pitch and kind of work on a few things? Well, they would have got them on the training pitch had it been open, but that also closed um, ah, right. because, because of the COVID problems. Literally, the whole squad was, was off at one stage. Um, so it was it was bad. I think a few rival teams maybe looked at it and said, "Hey, this is suiting Bolton having games called off whilst mm. uh, you know as the transfer deadline get, uh, the, the transfer window rather comes uh, closer." Um, and it did, and there's no question about it that the fact that it didn't have to play those three games meant they can play them with the stronger squad down the line. But uh, it was a, a fairly legitimate reason. I mean, the, the whole place was completely shut down. So, um, yeah, it was it was a difficult time, particularly difficult if you have to fill newspapers. I think uh, when uh, <laughs> when when there's no games going on, you know, <laughs> that's just you that's could, very selfish yeah. view. I appreciate that. You, know, that's what I'm all you could you could write about the weather down at the training ground or something like that, <laughs> or you know, how many yeah. puddles there were or something. But, exactly. uh, but yeah, you mentioned. You mentioned January, um, and January so far, I mean, Bolton have been busy um, back on the pitch. Uh, they've won two and lost one uh, in January, so halted kind of that poor run uh, we were talking about. Off the pitch, uh, Dion Charles has signed from Stanley. Uh, Marlon Fossey has joined on loan from Fulham. Aaron Morley from Rochdale. Um, keeper James Trafford from Manchester City, which I thought was quite an interesting one. Um, and striker John Darty. Bud Varson has joined on a free uh, from Millwall. Mm. So, I mean, I, I know it's, they've only joined over the last few weeks, but um, that upturn in form, has that been more of a, uh, you know, change in the personnel that was already there or are these new signings having an immediate impact? Yeah, they had a very quick impact, to be fair to them, um, particularly Fossey on the, the right-hand side. You'll, you'll 
see him a mile off. Massive hair, uh, very quick, great as great athlete. Um, James Trafford, as you mentioned there, new goalkeeper. I think the, the previous guy, Joel Dixon, was suffering from confidence. And when your goalkeeper's not playing well, it radiates, doesn't it? So um, I think him coming in has, has provided a little bit of fresh confidence at the back as well. Um, we've not really seen a massive amount of uh, Bod Varson. Dion Charles got a cracking goal at the weekend to, to, to win the game at Shrewsbury. And then Aaron Morley's sat in and, and seems like a decent ball player as well in midfield. So what... What the signings have done is, is given Bolton a bit more flexibility tactically. Uh, they were playing 4-3-3 because they had to. I think for between October and uh, at the end of December, there was no other option really. And they were they were still having to put right backs at left back and, and playing uh, you know strikers in midfield just to fill in the fill in the gaps. Um, but now they they're getting players back from injury, plus you've got these signings all of a sudden. You know, you could ask me to name a team for the weekend against Sunderland and I would struggle. You know, a couple of weeks back, that would have been easy. I would have been able to just tell you the team right now. Um, but now both the shape of the team and the personnel are very much, you know, up up for grabs, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just talking specifically about Dion Charles, um, he was actually signed for a reported six-figure sum which I imagine was was quite good for you to, to report on a on a money side in. But it, it seemed in the comments of the transfer that Ian Everett was was kind of really excited at the prospect of spending real money on, on a player. But um was was that another sign of the, the progress that the club's making off the field? Now to put it in context, the before uh, Dion Charles came in and it's three hundred and twenty thousand pounds that Bolton mm-hmm. signed him for. Now that's also in increments as well, by the way. That's not all, not all at once. Still, it's steady on. <laughs> um, but previously, the, the last guy that came in for any cash sum was Josh McGuinness in August of two thousand and eighteen, uh, two hundred thousand um, pounds. That did not end well. And then previously before that, it was a guy called Philip Toadzik who came in from Celtic in 2000, January 2015. So in seven years, I'm just trying to do the mental math, six and a half years, there have been two cash signings, one of which was a random check that nobody remembers. And the other guy was Josh McGuinness, who is not going to go down in the pantheon of great Bolton number nines, let's say. Yeah. Um, there was another guy as well called Christian Deutsch, who went up to Hibs in the end. Um, now, Deutsch was meant to sign for a million pounds, um, at Bolton, um, but Bolton decided they didn't want to pay and just left Forest Green in the lurch completely. They they loaned him for a few months and then just said, nah, I don't think we're going to bother paying anymore. And the poor sod had to go back to Forest Green with his tail between his legs. Uh, lovely fella, but that was typical of Bolton at the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all the building that Bolton have done has been done with zero cash, really, in, in, in yeah. real terms. And it's interesting that you actually gave me a figure there because uh, one of my pet hates, um, and I don't know whether it is in the press, but the undisclosed fee. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, it's interesting. it was undisclosed, yeah. but, you know, so you have you have your ways and means of finding out. <laughs> well, it's it's nice to hear a figure. You always used to see a figure on what player went for, and you, you don't seem to see that anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, but back on the pitch, and again, I was listening to your, your last podcast, and you've mentioned it there, discussing this new change in formation um, that sounded like a you know a three five two five three two whichever way you want to look at it so essentially wing backs and, and kind of two up top um you've had two wins from from the last two games um but it got us thinking how and I think you actually mentioned it on the the podcast but it got how rare it is to see two strikers up front for mm-hmm. a side I'd prefer you know I'd prefer to go back to those terms because I just think I used to love seeing two strikers up front and it made the mm-hmm. kind of game a, a better thing I think but um has that 
played a, a big part in the last two games that you've actually got two up front. Has that made a big difference? Certainly seems that Bolton have got the option now because they, they are a very, very, well, they're a very possession-based team. Now, that's great when things are going well and you're scoring goals and that possession equals goals and, and results. Unfortunately, when you start losing games or you start draining in confidence as they did, all of a sudden a possession game equals frustration in the stands. You know, it can seem very side to side. You see players maybe not taking the responsibility on the ball that you want and passing it on and it becomes very lateral. And that's what Bolton had done. Now, for me, the way that they've, they've tweaked it now in this last couple of games has made it so that, yes, they do want to play from the back. Yes, they're still encouraging the players to pass the ball, but you have got that option of going long and mixing it up a little mm -hmm. bit more. They've played Amadou Bakayoko further forward. He's quite good in the air. He's quite a physical presence. Charles is also another one that's that's happy to challenge for headers. So they've got that option of going slightly longer. They, they remain, you know, a bit of a work in progress. It didn't all work at Shrewsbury last weekend. It didn't all work against Ipswich. The, on the ball, I think they're still working out the shape a little bit. But it's nice to see them mix it up a bit. And and as you say, you know, seeing that two up front and seeing the penalty box, you know, with a bit more in it, because poor Owen Doyle, who, who had led the line for Bolton for most of the season, you know, the number of times you saw crosses coming in and these four defenders against little Doyler, and he's never going to win them, never going to win them in a million years. But actually having that extra body up there is is interesting to see. And uh, yeah, it's it, I think it's going to help him in the long in the long run. Well, I was just about to ask, I mean, is this is this a permanent move? Because I know, well, Sunderland last weekend, we had a tweak of our formation. We went we went with three at the back. We've just uh, made a new signing at the back and he, he slotted in there to, to um, kind of have that extra defender. But is this something, do you think it's a, it's a permanent move? Because against teams that have played that formation, Sunderland have actually struggled against that wing-back formation this season. Mm -hmm. So do you think he's going to stick with it? I'd be surprised if he changes it at the weekend. Uh, not impossible, because actually they changed second half against Shrewsbury. They were struggling a little bit, as I say, on the ball with the 3-5-2. The I think eventually that will be a 3-4-1-2, which is Everett's kind of most preferred formation. But I don't think they have the midfielder they want. They're trying to sign Kyle Dempsey from um, from Gillingham um, as the the one behind the two, if you will. Um, so at the moment, I think it's more like a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2. God, I mean, I've confused myself, honestly, these numbers. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I think I think being that that has worked for the past couple of games, it would surprise me. But they changed to 4-3-3 in the second half against Shrewsbury, brought on Dapua for Lyon, who is Bolton's top scorer and arguably the most dangerous player they've got. Um, but he doesn't necessarily suit the 3-5-2, so it, or it doesn't bring the best out of him. Better in the four three three, so he's got that option, and there's there's a couple of different tweaks he can make. Um, that's what I mean. It's kind of keeping everybody guessing a little bit more. It's a lot a lot more interesting than knowing exactly what your first eleven is going to be. Yeah, and and I was looking at um, Bolton's home record uh, this season. Uh, bit of a mixed bag. Won five, lost three from from twelve played. So I think you've played it well at least two less. Than, than most other clubs at home so far. But uh, Ian Everett, I mean, he seems like the type of manager to be on the front foot. Um, is that the usual approach at home for, for Bolton to go kind of after teams and be positive? Where you know, And, and where will the biggest threats come from? Uh, yeah, 100%. I think if there's a criticism to be levelled at, at Ian Everett is that he's possibly... Uh, a little bit too gung-ho at times and you know you score three we'll score four uh, that's always been the, the philosophy I think he's he's very much 
you know, he thinks his football will win the day eventually anyway. And that's particularly at home. I think he wants people on the front foot. So, um, yeah, I can I can definitely say there'll be an attacking, uh, attacking game. The first goal has always been crucial, really, with Bolton. I think when they've led a game, they've never lost it. So if they can get their noses in front, generally speaking, they, they do well to hold on. But then again, they've conceded first, I think it's 19 times out of 26 or 27 games now. Um, which is madness. Uh, you know, it, it, it's that's been the shift. I think defensively they have looked better with this system, which is why I think he will keep with it. Not conceding that first goal seems to be the real, the real big one, and that's probably what type of game I think will happen on Saturday. Is that both Baltimore will definitely not look to concede that first goal and see what they're attacking. Uh, trio or, or whatever it might be but can do for them but um main threats uh i've told you about fossey i think down the right hand side he's been excellent real athlete gets plenty of crosses into the box um and he's backed up as well by getting jones on that right hand side of the three just provides calm across the whole line so it gives him the license to bomb on and do a bit um declan john on the left hand side weirdly enough um, Sunderland fans will remember him or maybe won't remember him. Um, you know, he, he warmed many a bench potentially. Um, didn't ever get a chance at Sunderland under Phil Parkinson, but he's done quite well at Bolton and he's starting to show a little bit more form as well to kind of balance things up on the left-hand side as well. So that's where the, the width will come from. As I say, Dapua Falayan, if he gets on the pitch, is definitely Bolton's unpredictable factor. He can carry the ball. He runs well. He draws a lot of fouls. He's the most fouled player in League One this season. Um, so and he's scored 10 goals as well. So he's, 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 he's a good one to watch, basically, um, if, if Dapo gets on the pitch. Yeah, be, it'd be interesting for most Sunderland fans to see Declan Joan play, to, so, to, see oh, what, exactly. uh, type of, to see what type of footballer he actually is. I think he did play. <laughs> I think he did play. Um, I've got the game there. I can have a under. Did he play? Oh, he didn't play. He didn't. Liam Gordon played at the Stadium Lights. This will be a, yeah, th- this will be a first. Listening back, I remember you saying he picked up a knock, um, which uh, was no ah, surprise yeah. to, to most Sunderland fans. But, uh, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, just just on uh, Ian Everett, uh, you mentioned him there about maybe being a bit gung ho in his style. But uh, I mean, he's only been a manager for around four years, um, and you know the fantastic job he did at Barrow and then Bolton. You know, taking a you know kind of a leap of faith in a sense because mm. he'd only done that one job with Barrow, but then promotion to League One. I mean, his stock's just gone gone up and up. Is it a slight concern that you might be picked up by you know a championship club in the future if Bolton can't kind of step up? Because I mean I know they're in a mess, but he started his career at Derby County. There's rumours that Wayne Rooney could be moving on and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, does he does he realise the big project he's got with Bolton, or do you think he's he's ambitious enough to maybe jump at one of those jobs? It's honestly, it's I love talking to fans of other clubs who have obviously got a very different perspective on things because I think generally speaking, Bolton fans won't have even anticipated that question <laughs> and they possibly be scratching their head on it because I think fans, most fans, and I don't know if it's just Bolton, Sunderland, I'm pretty sure, I've watched a documentary, I'm pretty sure they share the same mentality. It's glass half full most of the time. Yeah. So a lot of Bolton fans will see last season <laughs> Being, uh, being, wow, what a terrible start they made. And then finally they kind of got up to that third place and got promotion. That's what Ian Everett was brought in to do. He did it, but there will be people that reflect back and say, well, I didn't do it very well. Um, this season, they've started League One quite well and have dropped back. And a lot of fans will be saying, well, you're not doing very well now, are you, at this higher <laughs> level? 
And yet you're saying that Derby County might be looking at him as a... As a now, I think he's a manager with a lot to give. I think he's he's mm. definitely learning on the job. I think he's definitely made mistakes. And I think he holds his hands up um, with, with a lot of them. But... At the moment, I think he, I think he appreciates he is on that kind of learning journey with Bolton, and he's with Bolton at the moment. I think there may come a time where the, the other clubs look at him and, and and maybe maybe wish to take him, but I don't think that's this time. I don't think he's quite ready for that next jump yet, and nor a Bolton. So I think they take that together, and then you ask me this question in twelve months when we're both in the championship. Um, <laughs> maybe who knows? Um, uh, or at least you, you might get you in a cup or something. Who knows? But anyway, uh, yeah, you ask me this question in twelve months, then maybe I have a different answer for you. But um, it's funny how other clubs sometimes see it. It's, it's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, kind of listening back to you know talking about this project, listening back to to when you spoke to Rich uh, with us back in September, um, you were kind of hinting at the possibility then that obviously you were riding high still, you know, eighth in the in the league at the time. You were talking about maybe a push for the playoffs that season. So, I mean, after trailing off from that good start you made, um, where the you know the expectation levels you know were probably raised at that point. Mm. I mean, wh- where are those expectation levels now? Because it seems like Bolton is still looking upwards. Maybe a hangover from last season and what you did, but there's only a five-point gap between Bolton and the bottom four at the minute. Yeah, well, I mean, no different to Sunderland is that no Bolton fan will think their team should be at this level of football, no question. Mm. Um, historically, you know, I thought Sunderland spent fewer division, uh, fewer seasons in the, uh, the bottom two divisions and Bolton went all the way, as we've mentioned. Mm. But historically, it's a second or, or first-tier club, both. Um, you know, both teams that take the pitch on Saturday. Um, so I think whilst Bolton are not competing for promotion, they will always be, you know, the, the fan base will always be expecting them to look up and do something about it. I think the, the realists potentially will have taken a season of consolidation. I think sometimes when you look at history and see how Bolton teams have done it in the past, they've come up to this level and then it's been the following season that they've, they've challenged for playoffs and, and pushed on. I think the way that the squad has built, I think it's fair to, to give Ian Everett that season of consolidation before expecting the challenge um, because there's been a lot of rebuilding done, certainly this month. Um, so it'll be interesting. But then again, you look at last season, as I say, 20th in League Two last season, they were legitimately, this time last year, people saying Ian Everett should be the manager of Bolt Wanderers, we should get him out. And, you know, look what happened. Football, funny old game, as uh, Jimmy Greaves used to say. And, uh, you know, you can never write anything off. The only thing I always say, and, I, and Bolton will always produce some degree of drama. And I don't think I've had it all season. I've been doing this a long time, longer than I care to remember, uh, but there's never been a dull one. I might. I think the first thing I'm going to do when I come off this is uh, check the odds on, on Bolton getting promoted. I might have a, <laughs> a, a, cheek, a cheeky 50 pence if it's, yeah. uh, if it's long enough, but we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was looking back at uh, our past meetings between the, the two clubs. Um, we haven't won at Bolton in our previous three visits. Um, our last win came back in 2011, when Steve Bruce's side beat Owen Coyle's Bolton Wanderers, as it was then. Uh, it was 2-0. Uh, goals from Stefan Sessegnon and Nicholas Bentner. Um, blast from the past. Um, both goals came in the last 10 minutes of the game, interestingly enough. But uh, how do you expect the game on Saturday to pan out? Um, I remember that game. And that was towards the end of the season as well, wasn't it? That was a real hammer blow, I think, so, I think yeah. for Bolton. Um, and because they got relegated that season. Um, yeah, I, I think... As I mentioned earlier, I think that first goal is is the crucial one. If if Bolton were to concede it, then I would 
fear for them a little bit uh, because the the losing run has been kind of fresh enough in the mind potentially to uh, uh, to still play on it. But if they were to get it, then I, I fancy them. I fancy them, and um, there's there's a lot of confidence in the last two results. Uh, there'll be a big crowd there, a massive uh, massive away following. Uh, hats off to uh, to you guys once again for uh, fulfilling that away, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of noise there. I think at the moment you're talking about just over eighteen thousand expected, so that's going to be it's going to be a good atmosphere. I think it's going to be a good game, but you know I. I I think Bolton are just coming into that little bit of form that might just give them a little bit of a uh, bit of a push. I, I quite fancy him. I'm really optimistic, really, really optimistic. But I quite fancy him Saturday. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's interesting actually. You talked about these early goals. Sunderland have scored quite a few early goals uh, recently. There we so are. There's where your money is. <laughs> but but it'll be interesting to see. You know, it, it sounds like you know that that it's going to be all important first first goal of the weekend um i mean you mentioned the away following uh we sold out around a week ago around just over i think it was over five thousand that mm. we've sold in the away allocation you said about twenty thousand i mean i might be just you know because I might have my kind of sunland hat on here but uh, um you know is is this one of the big games of the season you know kind mm. of sunland at, at you know at home yeah definitely definitely i think um it's still it's still a premier league fixture in my head I don't know I, I see that on see that on the page and that's I, I can still I can still see those times I've many many happy days uh, traveling up uh, up to the stadium of light and doing uh, Premier League games it, it, it's it's bamboozling to me that this is uh, being played in League One but nevertheless that's where we are and the, the sooner we realize it the sooner we get out of this bloody mess um it's uh yeah it, unquestionably there'll be people there knowing that it's going to be a big atmosphere and knowing this will be a big game, so that will boost the gates. I'm sure uh, Bolton Wanderers will be more than happy to take the king's shilling from uh, from the Sunderland lot, especially. Uh, <laughs> you know, I hope, I hope they've just stocked the bars around the place because uh, you guys, uh, you guys know know how to empty them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll not have a have a good time, but uh, But yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I assume it goes without saying you're, you're going to be there. But uh, I, I don't know about yourself in League One, but this this season, but there's quite a lot of, you know, I'd say. We're talking about Bolton Wanderers versus Sunderland being, mm. you know, could be a Premier League fixture. There's quite a few this season, and you know, when we go on our travels or when they come to the stadium, alike, it really these type of fixtures actually, you know, regardless of Bolton being fifteenth or whatever in the league, it's the mm. kind of the, you know, the prestige. It's that name. There's quite a few teams in League One where it gets the blood pumping a little bit, and you really look forward to these type of games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've been to Sheffield Wednesday and Hillsborough and you get that that feeling. Same at your place, same at Ipswich. Um, not really Wigan, but, you know, <laughs> definitely, definitely the other clubs that I've mentioned there. Um, and, and yeah, it does get the blood pumping. It's, 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 there's an atmosphere. There's, it actually feels like a match. You, you do sometimes go to some of these smaller stadia and it doesn't quite feel the same way. It feels a little bit like you're the fish out of the water, but I'm sure you guys will uh, will know that just as much as anybody. Um, but uh, no, I'm sure Saturday will be different. It will feel just like it was 2011 again, um, except I haven't got as much hair. Yeah, no, I wasn't quite as great back then, but, uh, but there you go. But, uh, but well, I, I hope you enjoy the game on Saturday, Mark. I hope it's a, it's a good day. I hope it's a good atmosphere. I'm sure it will be. And thanks for joining us and taking the time out. Um, but it's been an absolute pleasure and all the best for the rest of the season, mate. Always a pleasure. Thanks very much, mate. Yeah, and as long as you can take 
points off a few of those sides up the top. We, you know, we'd be very grateful if you could do that in the running. <laughs> I the, take any points, any points from anybody <laughs> in time. Honestly, it's uh, it's so much better. The, the weekend is so much better when you've actually got a result, and uh, and Absolutely. you know, not from a fan's perspective, but more from a journalist's perspective. People want to talk to you. It's much better. Much better. Absolutely. Well, well, thanks again, Mark. And and thanks again, everyone, for, for listening. Uh, keep a look out at Rocket Report for all the build-up ahead of the game at Bolton on Saturday. And keep an eye out all the usual places for the next pod. That should be dropping very soon. Uh, but from us, it's bye for now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.